God has no greater joy than to hear that His children are walking in the truth. We are dedicated to letting the truth of God's Word lead us. You are listening to One Truth Ministries Podcast. Here is your host, Ashley Posey. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Power Punch with One Truth Ministries. I'm Ashley Poseen. Hey, today we are going to be tackling the third argument for the existence of God. Our very first week, we looked at the design argument for God's existence, or theologians would call it the teleological argument for God's existence. Last week, we went through the cosmological argument for God's existence, or the first cause argument. And today, we're going to tackle the third one, which is the moral uh, argument for God's existence. And I'm excited about that. But before we go into it, I wanted to just make this really clear. These are arguments for the existence of God. I believe that he has left us so much evidence in this world of his existence. I truly believe that. I believe we have to be completely blinded and deceived to not see it. And yet I will tell you something. Ultimately, your decision to believe God exists and that he is who he says he is will come down to faith It will always come down to faith. He's given us this world to see things clearly. He's given us a mind that can explore and discover and search out and question, which is so important. But it will, like scripture says, come down to faith. By faith, we believe that God exists and created everything. And so it will come to that moment when God works within you and opens your eyes to the truth that you may see, recognize, and know God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. It will come down to that moment of faith. And I want to make that clear. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week. But just to be clear on this, we're going through some of the theological arguments for God's existence. Really important that we know what they are, that we can talk about them, that we can at least have a basic understanding of them. And I'll tell you something else. I'm going to talk passionately about this subject, not because I know all the facts or I know all the details or I'm a brilliant scientific mind. You all know better than that. I'm a very basic, simple, just normal woman. But I'll tell you something. I'm on, I'm on fire for Jesus Christ. Why not? Because I know all these things, but because I know him. I know him. I know my God personally. And my greatest prayer, my deepest desire is that you may come to know your creator personally, your savior personally, your redeemer personally, because he changes everything, everything. There is one God, one way, one truth, one life, Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except through him. And every day that we meet together to discuss these things, I pray that it will just help you on your journey in discovering the truth of Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior. Amen. That's why we're here. And so I just want to make that clear as we move on into this particular subject today. Today, we're talking about the moral argument for the existence of God. And this argument, in my opinion, has become the most famous through brilliant theologian and scholar C.S. Lewis. And if you have never read Mere Christianity, oh my goodness, let me just encourage you to do that. Grab that book, read it, 
read it a few times through because it's an amazing, amazing book that will help you understand. And my goodness, from somebody far more knowledgeable than me. So I want to point you uh, towards that if you haven't read it, um, because it's just incredible. This particular argument is going to lead us to think about the universal moral code that can be found among all cultures and all people going back throughout all of history. I mean, it really is astounding if you think about it, going back to the very beginning of humanity. And if you, you believe the Bible and you believe in the Lord, you'll know going back even all the way to Adam and Eve, the first created human beings, they instinctively knew what they chose to do was wrong. They, they knew it was wrong. They hid from God when they heard him coming. Their son Cain, who, 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 uh, um, who happened to have the first murder, that he murdered his brother Abel, he knew what he did was wrong in such a way that he began to lie to God to try and skirt the issue, uh, trying to get God to go away from him. Why? Because he knew what he did was wrong. And so you go all the way back to the beginning of humanity and you go, why is it that without being taught anything, that right away, just having been created, we have this innate understanding of right versus wrong. No matter what culture, what nationality, what land that you may study or visit, you will find that all have a verbalized or even non-verbalized code of morality. Now, societies may emphasize or enforce uh, this moral code differently, yet there's no denying among all sane people, and I'm going to use that word, sane people, a moral law exists. There is a universal understanding somehow of right versus wrong. And how do we explain that? I, mean, I want to honestly ask you to think this through for a moment. Don't just jump in with your objections, but think, think it through for a second. How in the world do we explain the fact that we have this understanding at all of right or wrong without acknowledging a higher power, a creator, a designer, how are we to account for this commonality among all people throughout all history? Why in the world do we have a conscience at all? Why did the whole world fight back against Hitler and the atrocities he was committing against the Jewish nation? Why? Why would that have even been wrong? Why do we have an understanding universally that it is wrong to murder, wrong to steal, wrong to cheat, wrong to rape or torture or abuse. Why is it that we can all agree that those things are wrong? You know, people cross-culturally agree on this, and I do have to ask the question, why? Why? You know, when these where these moral uh, morals come from, going back to the beginning of humanity, we have to stop and ask ourselves the questions, where did they come from? Why do they exist? You know, if we think they just happened by chance, if we think they just evolved within us, and I want to just touch on that for a second, because I know already there are some people out there that would say, okay, morality is something that just evolved in order to keep society functioning. I would simply ask you this, why are we alive at all? If morality is something that just evolved, we would have died out at the very beginning of humanity's existence when no moral code existed. If you're saying it just evolved, 
then we should have already been dead and died out eons ago because there simply would not have been a moral code. So that means whatever we want to happen can happen. Whatever is right for me is right for me and right for you is right for you. There would have been murders everywhere, nation against nation, people against people. There would be no humanity if ever there was a time in humanity's existence where a moral code did not exist. Now, like I said, all peoples everywhere going back into Egypt cultures, African cultures, American cultures, we have enforced and looked at these codes maybe a little differently and yet they all exist and always have existed. And so when we think about this, if, if it's just evolved within us, I will tell you that there is no objective moral code and our deep intuitions about specific behaviors being emphatically wrong can and will eventually change. And at that point, anything can go. I've traveled to a lot of countries in my life, a lot of them. And I'll tell you, I haven't found one country yet, one culture, one people group. And I've went back into villages that are very difficult to uh, get to in mountainous areas, um, in cold climates. I've been to a lot of places and I'm gonna say something. I've never met a culture of people were just a basic, objective, almost absolute moral code and moral law did not exist. And guess what? I shared that with them. And it really is astounding if you think about this, how this took place. The universal, objective, and consistent standard of morality is going to point us straight to the existence of a moral creator, God, who created us in his image. Listen to this. We have an understanding of moral standards innately because our creator is the standard for morality. We know we are to be truthful because, listen to me, God is truth. So we got to think that we are made by a creator. We are made in his image. And therefore, we have this idea of moral standards because he is the standard for morality. We know we should be truthful. Why? Because our God is truth. We know we should act with love. Why? Because our God is love. We know life is not ours to take through murder. Ours is not. Our life is not ours to take because life be belongs to the one who made us. This morality we all have within us stems from the character of the one who created us. I'm going to tell you something. His nature is binding on all of nature. The heart of his fingerprint is imprinted on all of our hearts. And it's a beautiful thing. The reality of moral law points us to a moral law giver. I love what C.S. Lewis says on this subject. He explains to us that every single person in this world whether or not they claim to believe in a moral code, they have most certainly appealed to it many times in their life. Now, I've raised children, maybe some of you have too, and I'm going to tell you that this appeal to a universal morality rears its head at the earliest of ages. I'm talking even before they can aptly communicate their thoughts and their words. Long before a child is properly taught, let's say moral codes or, or belief systems, they're already announcing how they have been wronged and in what way, especially if they have a sibling. A child is extremely aware 
if another has stolen from them and they will declare that is wrong. Now, before anybody uh, wants to question this, I have worked uh, in numerous early childment, uh, childhood development centers and it was so crazy to me that some of our littlest ones, not coming from a family of believers, not coming from a Christian household, but these, these little guys and girls uh, not able to fully communicate with words, getting there, but really not able to do it yet. They'd have a toy, and if another child came around and stole that toy, man, they would make sure that we knew what just happened was wrong. I've been wronged. And you knew that that's what this little child was screaming out. I have been wronged. Somebody stole from me. If another child comes by and bops him in the head, they're going to say, I've been wronged. Somebody hit me and that shouldn't have happened. Let me tell you, if you break a promise to even the youngest of children, they are going to cry out, that is wrong. You broke your word to me. You said I could have this. Now you're not giving it to me. You said we would go do this thing and now we're not. There is this innate sense of right and wrong put in, imprinted on, birthed through every human being created on this earth. And we know this from empathy. C.S. Lewis famously asserts that to complain that a stick is bent only makes sense in light of the concept of straight. In other words, we would have no idea of a thing being crooked at all without having an understanding of what straight was. Do you get that? There's, there's no point in saying something we wouldn't even consider something to be bent out of shape unless we already knew what a straight line was. And I want you to think about that even spiritually because in the same way, without a supernatural moral standard, how could we ever define good and evil? There would be no understanding of evil at all without first knowing what good actually is. And the Bible tells us unequivocally that God is good. God is good. This is how we know what is not good is that our creator whom we were made in his image, our creator is the standard of good and anything that deviates from him and from what he has set up as right is automatically wrong. We were made in his image. We have a created understanding of what is good, but because God gave us a choice, we have the ability to find out what is evil as well. And with Adam and Eve's choice to go against what God had asked them to do, God's standard humanity fell and through them all have made the choice to go against God's perfect and holy standard. This is why we needed a savior. It's why we still need a savior today. Why God sent his son, Jesus Christ. You see, if there is no God, then there would be no standard of what is good and of what is right. We'd all be making up just whatever sounds good to us uh, at the moment and in the time. And I'll tell you something. I know that's where this world is trying to go. Relativism. What's good for me is good for me. What's right for you is right for you. And I want to tell you something. Follow that out to completion because it is the end and destruction of humanity. The world can't function like that. It won't operate like that. There will always be a cry out that something is wrong. 
whether whether people believe in the Lord or not, they know when they have been wronged and they will appeal to that universal moral code. And I'm telling you that only exists because of a moral lawgiver, the standard of good himself that created us in his image and imparted that to us when he made us. Because God does exist, there is a known understanding within any reasonable human that certain behaviors are inexcusable. And in the same way, there's a known universal understanding that certain behaviors are wonderful, needed, and sought after. We have this incredible moral code within us because we were made by intelligent design, by a creator who is himself the standard for morality. I want to end with Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. You'll see that in your further study um, as well. But I just want you to hear what the word of God says on this. So it says, for when Gentiles, anybody who uh, has not been made a part of God's family at this moment when it was written. So for the whole world, basically anybody of not a non-Jewish descent, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law yet, God's law. They show that the work of the law is already written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts will accuse or excuse them on that day when God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Amen. What he's saying is, is that people who don't even have the word of God yet are already obeying and doing what the word of God says, showing us that the work of the law is already written on their hearts, that their conscience is bearing witness, that they're, they're struggling and arguing within themselves over what they should do and shouldn't do, what is right, what is wrong. Why? Because they have been created by a creator who has put that in them already. This is why Paul will go on in Romans to say the world is without excuse. God has made known his invisible qualities to all of us, to all of us. The very existence of moral knowledge points to a moral being who is universal, personal, and absolute. And this describes the God of the Bible exactly, exactly. So I just want to encourage you this week, check out that further study. If you haven't already, subscribe on YouTube so you know when this next video is coming out. Think on this, mull over this, chew on it, meditate on it this week. Um, Go through that further study and just see uh, what the Lord will do with you this week in your relationship and your walk with Him. Have a blessed week.